Well, welcome. Good morning. I'll, I'll start the same way I do with the kids. I am so glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here, too. Um, this, is, this is one of those moments where if, if you're new to our church, I am not uh, our lead pastor. He's much better looking because he still has hair. Um, I'm Doug Bridge. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries, which means children from nursery up through about fifth grade and their families are my area of responsibility and joy. Uh, and I'm here to, uh, to continue in a series that's really about parenting specifically, but it's more, more uh, a picture of relationships. So if you're not a parent yet, or if you used to be a parent a long time ago, uh, that really doesn't change the dynamic of what we're going to share this morning because the principles from Scripture can be applied in any relational situation. Uh, so we begin with this, uh, this week. Uh, it's P.S. I Love You. I believe that was the title of a movie. Uh, we're not going there, however. Um, we're we're going to be looking at things that hopefully will help those of you who are parenting and everyone else in their relationships with other people. Uh, let's, let's look at that first slide, if you will, because it's what Jim has been working on in this series. Uh, he's been at this already three weeks, and he's introduced the three uh, PG dials, parental guidance dials. Number one is, what are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? And I have children but they're grown. I won't tell you how old they are because I'm already going to divulge too much about how old I am this morning. But, but as grown children, these things still apply. I'm still a dad, and I still... But I'll go ahead because I can carry... Try that. How did that happen? It was on before. My shirt did it? I, okay. It wasn't me. Well, while you're standing here, would you turn around for just a second? You see this T-shirt right here? Okay, this is, this is coming up shortly. On your way down the hallway as you leave today, you might want to peek in the windows onto the left because there is a beach in there that you could look at. Jay, thank you. Well, you make me sound good, and now you've made me look good, so I appreciate that. And finally, number three is, what are you doing to influence your child's other relationships outside the home? Um, as an adult, that's probably waned a bit, but the truths there are, are interesting. So moving on to our focus, um, a biblical understanding of discipline is key. I, I use the word key a lot. Maybe it was because at one point in my life, uh, in order to support a family, I was a locksmith. But, but that whole idea of what a key accomplishes, everything in your home is protected by a key, at least from the honest people. Okay, and the dishonest ones, I'm not sure the key does a whole lot. But in this case, if we can understand what discipline is really about, it might help all of us in relationships. Um, 
I will put a disclaimer in here though, however. No matter how great a job we do parenting, no matter how much we bathe it in prayer, no matter how much we, we follow God's admonition, there does come a time in every child's life where they begin to make decisions independent of us. Our goal as parents is that when that arrives, we trust that we've given them the tools necessary not to make those decisions independent of God's counsel. But it's still their choice. And that's the difficulty of of even talking about parenting. Because no matter how well we do, there is always that choice that will need to be made and it won't be made by us. So that being the case, that's why great parenting is really not about controlling our kids. Uh, it, It sometimes feels that way. It even sometimes looks that way. But this idea of control is really not the key. The key is that there is relationship and there is love and there is trust and there is respect. And in that setting, true discipline can flourish. And yet the disclaimer is still true. At some point, they will make decisions independent of us. I had a really unique opportunity. Before I ever had children, um, I was... I was given the blessing of having almost 30 wonderful guinea pigs at my disposal, and I was paid for the honor of that. Uh, Can we go ahead and toss a picture up there? This is really going to make me look old. The kids are standing on risers, and I'm the one on the far right. Yeah. Yeah, the only one wearing a suit and tie. Uh, they're sixth graders now, mind you. Don't, don't look at the date on the bottom. Now, y'all just did, didn't you? Shame on you. Um, but this is a group of, of my first class ever. Now, I had taught before. I had taught in things like Sunday school and vacation Bible school and children's church. And, and I had all kinds of unique opportunities throughout high school to do um, some stuff with my peers in Bible studies. But I had never been given the sole responsibility of that many little lives all at once. It was, needless to say, overwhelming. However, I, I leaned some on what I learned in college, and I leaned a, a great deal on what I'd learned from my parents, and it was a year of experimentation, which is why I call them my guinea pigs. Um, all of my experiments did not go as planned, but I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that. And this wonderful class here, I'm going to refer to them as 6A because that's what we were. There were two grades at each, uh, two classes at each grade level. And so I was 6A and the other one was 6B. And they, uh, they referred to themselves as 6 best. And so we said, well, that's fine. But, you know, A comes before B, so I don't want to tell you. Um, we had a great time, and I'm going to use them today a lot as my my resource for illustration purposes. Now, just so you don't get them stuck in your mind, though, as all these cute little kids, to put it in perspective, they're all officially 50 years old this year. (laughs) Which just happens to be the same age as a guy that laughs up front in church in this service. Uh, So if you get a chance today, Rusty turns 50 today, which makes him 
officially ancient of days. And so all of those children that you see on are really that old, right there, okay? Now, so let's, uh, let's move on to our first point. Hey, Rusty, happy birthday. Discipline is much more than the world describes. The world somehow kind of has this really negative view of discipline. Uh, they kind of have turned it into a, a politically incorrect word. And, and in that, it has become synonymous with a lot of the things that are negative in a disciplinary model. Uh, and it's like everything else has been thrown out. Uh, I want to make sure this morning that we understand that while discipline does carry a negative dynamic within it, it also has a ton, biblically, that is positive. Um, let's look at Hebrews 12, 5 together, 5 through 11. I'll, uh, I'll read it out loud and you can follow along. Have you completely forgotten this word of hope? It speaks to you as a father to his children. Okay, so right away we know that the analogy is one that God uses. So it's a good analogy. Uh, we have a song that says he's a good, good father. Uh, this idea of, of parenthood doesn't have to be something horrible. As a matter of fact, it's pretty exciting. My son, think of the Lord's training as important. Do not lose hope when he corrects you. The Lord trains the one he loves. He corrects everyone he accepts as his son. Put up with hard times. God uses them to train you. He is treating you as his children. What children are not trained by their parents? God trains all his children. But what if he doesn't train you? Then you're not really his children. You are not God's true sons and daughters at all. Besides, we have all had human fathers who trained us. We respected them for it. How much more should we be trained by the father of spirits and live? Our parents trained us for a little while. They did what they thought was best, but God trains us for our good. He does this so we may share in his holiness. No training seems pleasant at the time. In fact, it seems painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of godliness and peace. It does this for those who have been trained by it. It admits that there's a part of it that's painful. Let's face it, any child has a good idea about what they want. And sometimes a parent has to step in and say, even though that's what you want, it's not healthy, it's not good, it's not safe, it's not whatever. And that hurts because aren't I the center of the universe as a child? Certainly, even if I'm not the center of the whole universe, I'm the center of my family's universe because I know I'm the center of my universe. And, and that notion that there is a side to this where correction does occur. Not taking anything away from that, but there's so much more to discipline than just correction. Uh, let's look at point number two. Discipline is a direct result of godly love. For those of you who like to fill in blanks, those are the only blanks left on your page, but you notice there's a big blank section below. I'll have some things for you there if you'd like, and if you're not a note taker, you're done. Uh, the word in many places in the New Testament for discipline is a Greek word, which I don't speak. 
I only look this stuff up just like you do. Uh, but the word is paideia, and I probably just butchered it, but I'm not Greek, and I'm hoping none of you are either, so, so we're good. It originally meant to instruct. That was, that was the weight of what the word carried with it. And as the word is used in the context of different situations, it takes on nuances that are things, things like uh, training, discipline, correction, tutorage, educate, train up. So often when you see those kinds of words in scripture, it's coming from this root word, paideia, to instruct. So that any action we take towards another person, child or otherwise, is only, affected, is only effective if it's delivered in an existing relationship. And it's even better if it's delivered in a relationship that's based on love and trust. So, so there we have this notion. It's extremely positive in nature. It has a punitive dynamic to it. But we're going to have some fun with this together and look at some examples that hopefully will have you going out the door if you have children today going, ah, I have no idea what to do now. No, I've, hopefully I have some fun things to try. And, and if it's just maybe a strained relationship with someone or somebody you don't know yet that you'd like to develop that with, hopefully what we're going to talk about today will give you some tools uh, to make that an exciting chapter of your life. All right, uh, before, before we go to the next slide, I, I want to give an example here because our first thing is to be present. As, as parents, with our children, it's hugely important that we're present. And not just physically in the same building, but close. Uh, one of the things I practiced with this group of, I keep pointing to it like they're still up there and you know they're not, so just bear with me, okay? That group of kids that was up there that are now that, that old, um, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get it all day today, bud. Um, this, this idea of, of my class, uh, it was pretty much a self-contained classroom because it was kind of back in the day. It was 40 years ago, so it's, it's, um, it's been a while. And, and with those kids, there was a, a unique dynamic that I wanted to establish. And the only way I could establish it was to know as much as I possibly could about each of them. And so I specifically went around to the other teachers. And mind you, my first year teaching, okay, so I'm, I'm the wet behind the ears little boy that just comes in wearing the three-piece suit and tie because, yeah, we were required to do that there. And I just asked our music teacher, would you mind if I sat in like one of the students? I mean, if you need me to help keep kids corralled, I'd be happy to, but I'd prefer to just sit in on the class like one of the students. Are you okay with that? Uh, oh, sure. You know, and, and these teachers with lots of years of experience are thinking, hey, he wants to learn what a good teacher I am. It's like, I didn't care what they did. I wanted to know about my kids. I wanted to know who, which kids were musically inclined. Uh, we had the opportunity of, of going to an art class every once in a while. I asked if I could attend. 
and I did a lot of art in the classroom. I wanted to find out which kids were artistically inclined because then I, I kind of know where they're bent. Um, physical education, you know, we had the old PE classes. Some of you remember those, you know. We had PE classes. It was always horrible when we had the fifth and sixth grade boys because <laughs> there were no showers. They did it at the end of the day. And then you still had to come back into the classroom for about 15 minutes. Man, got ripe fast. Uh, but the good news was I was the coach of the PE class. So I got to find out who the athletes were, you know, and, and just try to figure out between classroom and these other situations, who was, who was what and what makes them tick. But I had to be present to do that. I couldn't always be on break. So working on those kinds of things became important to me to be present. And as parents, being present, finding ways to be involved, getting down on the floor and playing a game with, and, and too many examples to go on. I hope I don't need to go there. The second P is to be positive. This, this notion that discipline is catching children when they're doing something wrong I'm old enough now, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. For those of you who have children right now that are parents, there are times I'd like to reach out and slap someone. Because grandpas, you know, they're not supposed to do that, but in my head, I did. what are they thinking? If you only catch them when they're doing something wrong, what are you reinforcing? If the only time they get attention is when they do something wrong, duh. And, and I, please don't get me wrong, it's not like there's this magic formula. If you go online, do you know that some of the biggest names out there in positive thinking will tell you, it's not five positives for every one negative, it's 10 positives for every one negative. And my thinking is, it ought to be about 50. If you're a good parent and you're really working at this, if you're a good grandparent and you're working at this, if you're a good friend and you're trying to come alongside, do you know how many wonderful things people do in a day? And they don't even know it because nobody tells them. That's a parent's number one job is catching their kids doing something right and pointing it out and making a big deal of it and telling them how wonderful they are for doing that because then they know what they're supposed to repeat. Did I just get excited? I'm sorry. I love kids, and, and I, I so desperately want them to, to go along. Let's, let's look at this, this verse here, because it, it goes back with be present. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. How? How do you impress them on your children? By being present. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you go on vacation, and when you're taking, no, don't go back, don't go back, come back, come back, come back. Help me, thank you, okay, because I'm making up stuff here, okay? Um, And all of those things that we do with them, those are all opportunities to talk with them about this when you lie down and when you get up. See, that, that goes according to the Jewish day. The Jewish day starts at night, at sundown, and it goes till the following sundown. So at the beginning of the day, you lie down and rest. 
It's kind of a cool idea, right? <laughs> you just got to change your thinking a little bit. Uh, and then, then in the middle of the day, you get up and start to work. In all of those settings, we need to be present and need to be willing to find those teachable moments that come along. Now, now let's go ahead to the one that goes with positive, which is 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It does not dishonor others. What is? Anybody know what it is? You know what chapter this is, right? Thank you. Yes. Good job. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. How dare we keep record of wrongs? How clear is that? You don't need a theology seminary degree type stuff to know what that means, keep no record of wrongs. Don't, if they blew it yesterday and they got in trouble for it, it's done, right? It's behind. Excuse me, I digress. So, so this notion that we have of being positive, we, we need to go way past five, we need to go way past 10. Um, and, and I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you a quick story because it, it's too fun anyway. And I'm, I'm okay so far, right? I'm okay. Tugger, he was in that picture. I won't give his last name to keep him safe. Tugger was the athlete of the school, okay? He was also probably one of the best looking guys in the school. So everything that was important in life, except some of his studies, um, came really easily for him. Everybody liked him. All the guys wanted to be on his team. All the girls wanted to cheer for his team. Uh, he, and he was really likable. Uh, there was another kid in class who was, in today's parlance, he would be a nerd. Um, but I like to refer to him as a scholar because that's way more positive. And Matthew, bless his heart, he was tall for his age. And his, he hadn't caught up coordination-wise with his, with his growth yet. But it didn't really matter to him because he was such a scholar. Uh, the first day of school, uh, as we're heading out to recess, he says, uh, Mr. B, where's the encyclopedia? Can I take one? It's like, we used to have encyclopedias. And I'm so glad with this group I don't have to explain it to many of you. Um, but we, it was way before Google ever existed. And uh, so he would take a volume out and begin to read it. And by the end of the week, he'd have it finished. And he'd go on to volume two and then volume three. And, and my understanding was that it was good that I had the Colliers because the teachers before me didn't. So he hadn't read the Colliers encyclopedia set yet. Um, we, got, we got two weeks into school and I, I was up to here with this because he was also socially ostracized. I mean, you knew that was coming, right? So I tried an experiment. It was one of the most genius moments in my life. I will not take credit for it because when I have a genius moment, it's definitely the Holy Spirit. Um, I pulled Tugger aside and I said, Tugger, I have a deal for you. I will make sure that you get an A in PE. Like he wasn't going to get it anyway. I, I guarantee you an A in PE if you will do this for me. Every time you pick teams out at recess, you have got to pick Matthew first. I know it means you're going to lose. 
You've got to pick him first. You've got to pick him first. You've got to pick him first every single time. You always get to be the captain. You always get to pick. So when it's your turn to pick, always pick Matthew. Not second or third. Always pick him first. Do we have an agreement? Sure. Easy A. <laughs> like I said, you know, he's a good athlete. So, um, so it started, and everybody was freaking out because now Tugger's team that always wins is not winning all the time which means other kids are starting to win that haven't won in a long time unless they were on Tugger's team. And Tugger's getting a little frustrated. And about six weeks in, Mr. B, would you please, can we, I don't want the A. It's not worth it. And I said, yeah, but you're missing the point. You're not helping him yet. You're just picking him. That's what I asked you to do. I'll give you an A plus if you'll help him. Show him how to kick the ball and kick ball. Show him which hand to put the glove on. Okay? Those are the kinds of things we need to do here so Matthew doesn't feel bad. When, when he's up to bat, he doesn't know really which way to run. So I'll start having him read B for baseball, you know, in the encyclopedia. You start showing him where that goes out on the, on the grid out there, on the field, and you know what happened, right? I mean, it was amazing. By the end of the year, Matthew was losing every game, but it didn't matter anymore because Matthew had become accepted because he was Tugger's friend. <laughs> he and Tugger got along really great because guess what Matthew could do for Tugger? Ha! Huh, yeah! It was pretty smart. I didn't even see that one coming, okay? And Tugger's grades were coming up and Matthew's social life was getting better, and he was part of things. He, he never did finish the Collier's edition because he was busy at recess. He had things to do and people to be with. And it was one of those dynamics that if Tugger had not been present and if Tugger had not been positive, it never would have happened. I'd, I would love, I would love to see Matthew today probably making millions of dollars as, you know, one of those guys that is a genius out there. Okay, next one is to be patient. Be patient. Let's, uh, oh, there it is. Love is patient. Again, do you need to go to seminary to understand that? Or, or is it that we need to practice to get good at this? Because the words are there. But love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. But the idea that they're patient, could we also look at Proverbs that comes right up after that? Um, Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding. You can be one of those parents with great understanding. You can be a friend, you can be a coworker with great understanding if you can just be patient. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Ooh, that hits a little below the belt, but uh, we had this deal that I had to be patient with. I liked math growing up. I wasn't a nerd. I just, I liked math, especially geometry. But uh, somehow I had inherited a group of kids who every time you'd say, okay, let's get your math books out, there was an audible, Ugh. I was like, come on, I know some of you are straight A students in here. You, you can't not like math. Well, yeah, they can. <laughs> Apparently, you can. Uh, so so I, everybody put your books back in your desk. This was probably about the second or third week. 
Put your books back. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to do math. I said, we're going to do math. But here's the new deal. Every time I say get your math books out, before you get your math books out, I want everybody to give me a cheer. Yeah! Okay, everybody give me a cheer. Yeah. yeah, that's about how well they did it the first time too. Okay. You didn't expect me to get you to do anything in here, did you? Okay. So it's time to get out your math books. Yeah! Five days a week, 35 weeks in that school year, I got to tell you that by about Christmas vacation, those poor little kids were brainwashed. They thought math was fun. And the best part was the day the principal walked in to just do one of those, you know, stand in the back of the room, make you feel really uncomfortable your first year teaching, you know, take notes on his pad. To, and, and so I thought, ha, I'm going to show him. Hey, you know what? We're finished up with that. Let's go ahead and put those away. Good deal. Thank you. Now, everybody, would you get out your math books? Yeah. He's going, what? <laughs> what? These kids cheer when the math books come out. I said, yeah, you should hear what happens when we go to recess. <laughs> so being patient, waiting, finding ways, finding ways to, to bring kids along and, and to help us understand them more clearly. Next P is to be plain. Um, this one will be Ephesians 6.4. Let's put that up here if you would. Ephesians 6.4, fathers. Ooh, notice that mothers are not mentioned here. They're somehow missing from this equation. So dads, I know Father's Day is coming, so I'll get it into you right now because this is for me too. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Somehow I th there's this dynamic with dads. You know, we, we want it and we want it now. How come you can't understand what I'm asking? What is the deal here? Uh, patience just went out the window. You know, and... and Exasperating our children doesn't help the situation. As a matter of fact, it begins to turn them away from that relationship of love and trust. And so fathers, not to exasperate our children. Instead, here's the instead, and it's not just don't do that. It tells you what to do instead. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Man, I mean, it's huge. That doesn't mean you got to sit down with your Bible and open it up and say, now, four-year-old, I'm going to explain the Trinity to you <laughs> in three simple lessons. Okay, it wasn't that funny anyway, so that's all right. Um, to be plain, in 6A, every teacher in the school at the time had this, you know, remember tag board? And those of you that are my age are going, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Some of you that are teachers are going, yeah, we still use it. Um, about this big, about that wide. And they had a list, classroom rules. It was so that it was clear, which is a really good step. I tried to take it a step further just to see if it would work. We had two rules, not 10 or 12 or 15. We had two rules. They were summed up in three words. Any sixth grade boy can handle that. Two rules, three words. First one is listen. Second rule, pay attention. You can get them all with that, all right? That kind of covers everything. Now, this is not, again, because I was genius, but the idea of simplifying things and trying to make it so that it can be remembered. It's hard to remember 10 classroom rules, even if they're posted on the board, on the wall, all the time. But almost anybody can remember, listen, 
and pay attention. Listen, follow directions, however that was worded, because I don't remember anymore. Um, keeping it simple, keeping it plain, and making sure that you don't bite on a question that you think I, I love when I hear parents talk about this and all the jokes that are out there about it. When, you know, the little four-year-old comes up because the new baby just came home from the hospital. Daddy, daddy, where do babies come from? It's like, oh, no. Don't panic. That's not what they're asking. Okay? Just be plain. Came from the hospital. <laughs> and usually you'll get this. Oh, okay. Thank you. Save that other question for much later. And finally, uh, the word that's usually used here is consistent, and I love the word consistent, but I wanted it to be a P word, and I think it's a better word anyway, and it's persistent. Did I need to put a... No, we're good, we're good. This is Proverbs. Committed and persistent work pays off. Get-rich-quick schemes are rip-offs. Uh, You've got to do a little application there. That's a principle that has to do with money, but it also has to do with life. And... And committed and persistent is what parents need to be in our relationships with other people. When they mess up, when they treat us badly, when they hurt us, we need to be persistent in pursuing that relationship anyway. Um, Persistence for me, I don't know that I can find it anywhere online, but for me, if you're looking up Doug Bridges' definition of, um, it, it would say persistence is more than being consistent, it's being persistently consistent. And I know I just used the word to define itself, which is a bozo no-no, even in the sixth grade. But, but this notion of, of how that's supposed to work, this persistence, um, we have got to find, uh, this is what we did. We, there, remember, there, there were no video things yet, okay? It was way back that many years ago. So Monopoly was a big deal. So Monopoly was on our board. And Monopoly had an extended board around it. And every kid in class, in art class, made their piece that stuck into the, the bulletin board. And they, they earned their Monopoly money by reading. Some kids, if they read two pages, they got a buck. Other kids had to read 50 pages to get a buck. You know, because it used to be the bluebirds and the buzzards, and you knew which group you were in. You know, buzzards don't read as good as bluebirds, because bluebirds are cute. Uh, So we just had Monopoly, and nobody knew what their personal contract was. Everybody just knew that they had Monopoly money, and, you know, some kids that took it seriously went crazy, and they bought Boardwalk and Park Place, and other kids were kind of like, well, whatever, okay, I, I got Baltic and Mediterranean, and would you sell me jail? Um... For real. Uh, So finding ways to engage them, giving them a reason. I'm going to say this twice maybe. Giving them a reason to do what you want. Other than because I said so. Which is a good reason sometimes. But helping them understand the why of these things. And, And here's one of the things that at this point in my life, I think I have learned, not because I'm smart, but because it keeps getting thrown up in my face. They may act like they're not listening, and they may act like they don't care, but they are, and they do. 
way more than we know. I got an email about six months ago from one of those kids. Hey, Mr. B, you know we're all turning 50 this year? Shut up. (laughs) We're having a high school reunion, and you had us write some letters at the end of the year to our future selves. Any chance you still have those? I was like, are you kidding me? See, you went the wrong way with that. Of course I do. I'm a teacher. I keep everything. There was this one little glitch a few years ago that some of you remember, and letters are made out of paper, and I was fearful that they weren't there anymore. But somehow, God had delivered them to the shed, (laughs) and they were all there, and they've now been shipped off to California. I hope they have a blast reading them. But but to, to feel like somebody cares about you, That's our job, whether it's in a friendship, a marriage, a parenting role, a coworker, people want to know that they're special to someone. They want to feel like you care about them. And so in all of these things, we we have great opportunities to share our love. Uh, the T-shirt that Jay wore earlier is the T-shirt that the leaders are going to be wearing. If you're a leader for Summer's Great Adventure, we're going to have those T-shirts for you down at the bus today so that you can wear them to church next week. Please. 6A taught me a lot. And since then, it's been a joy. Uh, the two kids that, that Sue and I have have taught me a lot. The relationships that we have with your children here continue to teach me a great deal. It's amazing what God will do through us if we will just allow him to be poured through us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the way that you bless us, and we thank you for the way that you take care of us. Would you help us to show that love in wonderful ways in the relationships that we have with others, particularly with our children? God, they so desperately want to please, and they so desperately want to have relationships that are fun and exciting and wonderful, would you help us to to lead them in those ways? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.